Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. So there's two types of people in this world, people who have finished The Last of Us Part Two, and then people who are forever changed. I said that backwards. People who have not finished it, and then people who are now forever changed once they have finished it. Those are the two types of people in the world. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I'm one, yeah, I'm the former, not the latter. Uh, I haven't finished it yet. Uh, episode 196, as always, I'm your host, Jared Weich. For the first time, taking too long, we have Michael Ruiz, formerly of Dual Shockers. How's it going, Michael? I am good, and I am the latter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, you I am good. the latter. I'm the former. Um, yeah, I just haven't had the time to dive into it, man. And it's one of those games where... If I have an hour free, I kind of don't want to hop into it because I want to play it for longer than that, you know? Like, just hopping in for yeah. an hour doesn't feel right. So finding those chunks of time for me have been kind of hard, but hopefully I can get through a, a big stretch of it this weekend because I definitely want to finish it before we already have Ghost of Tsushima coming up in a couple of weeks, man, right on top of us. Yeah. So I will say, because uh, what was it, two weeks ago now, Jared, we talked about, like, you've already been through uh, the first, you know, major story beat, so you missed that spoiler thus far, right? But there are a handful more big reveals that, you know, happen throughout the game. So continue to be uh, vigilant when you're on the internet <laughs> and stuff because there's stuff that could get ruined for you. Yeah. yeah. And for those listening later in the show, we will talk about our impressions. Obviously, both Michael and Dom have finished it. We'll keep it top level. won't be spoiling anything, but we are going to be talking about our impressions and what we've enjoyed about the game in comparison to not only Last of Us, the first title, but other Naughty Dog titles as well. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, let's in, get into this video game news. I want to preface all of this by saying we're not going to be covering the Evo online cancellation uh, stuff. That stuff kind of happened last minute, and I highly yeah. suggest anybody who's listening go check it out. Uh, one of the co-founders of Evo was the subject of some pretty awful allegations, and basically all the big companies associated with the event pulled out, and then they just ended up canceling. So look into that. Do yourself a little Google and read about what happened because uh, – yeah, it's, it's not a surprise. Uh, that was funny. I, I don't know if it was Jason Trier or somebody. They tweeted, is Evo going to last the next 24 hours? And in like 32 minutes <laughs> or so, it was canceled and everyone pulled out. So that's that. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, part of you wanted to talk about it, but I, I, it just happened so late. And I, I, Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a huge fighting game fan. I, I watch Evo, like, oh. every year. So I, it's... When I saw that, like Mortal or yeah, Nether Realms and then Capcom were pulling out, I'm like, "There's no way this thing is happening." Like, Capcom, it's Street Fighter. Like, that's like one of the biggest games there. There's no way they're gonna be drawing the audience that they want anyway. Um, but it more more importantly, like the allegations are super serious, and it's probably not a good time, especially just in the fighting game community alone, because there's a lot of stuff that happened in the Smash yeah. community too. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, maybe just take a break with the fighting game <laughs> community right now it's it's wild right now it's yeah it's too much uh evil responded pretty fast though because they did that guy is no longer with them and they appointed a new head but um yeah i think the year off in general for a lot of people will do them good evil this year wasn't gonna have smash right michael uh no it wasn't just because they had switched to online so oh and, yep and, <laughs> and the infrastructure smash for online like awful. yeah not code for that game is god awful, but but and also Mortal Kombat wasn't originally going to be at Evo, and then it got in with the online one, and uh, yeah, and then they pulled out, and I was like, what is happening? Because that's when I noticed like stuff was happening. Was like, wait, N Nether Realms is pulling out of Evo? What's ha what's happening? 
I'm like, they just got put in because they weren't even in it originally. And then, yeah, I saw everything that happened. I'm like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> so well, that, that company, too, having to deal with the WB game sales. Well, that's a potentially happening. There's a lot of stuff not going right for NetherRealm having to deal with all this stuff around them. But yeah, yeah. That's that for Evo. Like I said, if you want more specific information about the terrible allegations and everything, just go ahead and look it up because I think we need to be cognizant of all the stuff that's happening because the industry as a whole is kind of having an awakening, uh, many industries really, in the last couple of weeks, which is good. We, we need it. Um, the first story here, Deadline is reporting that Amazon has made a series order for a show based on the Fallout franchise said mm. to be developed by Westworld creators Jonathan Nolan, who's a brother of Chris Nolan and Lisa Joy will be developed alongside Bethesda Softworks and Bethesda Game Studios. Now, obviously, this is just the announcement of a show, which isn't like crazy news or anything. This is probably still a couple of years away. What I want to have the conversation about is, I don't know about you, Michael, but me and Dom are big Fallout guys. Uh, we yep. really enjoy the universe. So much mm -hmm. so that Dom even dove into Fallout 76. I will in the <laughs> next couple of weeks with Game Pass since it's coming there, but uh, I kind of avoided that one. I wanted to talk to you guys about what do you want the show to be and what do you think it'll be? Because for me, personally, I've seen this idea floated around. I kind of actually like it is I would prefer more of an anthology Black Mirror type of situation where each episode is an individual vault and storyline and maybe there's an overarching connection between them, right? Uh, but some people are thinking about maybe having a set protagonist and the way you do the vault stuff is maybe that protagonist or other side characters come across these vaults and then those are the catalyst for like flashbacks to that vault, right? So okay. you get kind of the best of both worlds. Um what do you guys want out of a Fallout show? I guess, Dom, we could start with you. Um, and do these creators from Westworld get you excited about the, you know, the quality of what the show could be? Well, yeah, for one, I, I started watching Westworld a few years ago, and it looked really cool, but I kind of fell off. I don't really remember why, so I, I didn't even finish the first season of that. But it seemed like a, at least, like, production value like was super high, and it looked great, and the acting was good from what I remember. Um I think some people didn't like the second season or something like that, but so I mean, that's that's as good as any two people you could probably pick to to run a brand new show, right? Um, so I, I I can't think of a, a negative thing necessarily about that uh, about those two directors or producers or whatever they were. Um, but as far as what I want this to be, I, don't, I tried to think about it, and you had some good good ideas just now, but I don't know. Like the the good thing here is there's a lot of freedom that they have yeah. right? they could go a lot of different ways with this and to be honest i'm open with any of that um because yeah there's not really obviously fallout games are like you know uh rpgs where you get to choose the how you do things and that's kind of the point of it right so you could there's not necessarily a central you know character in the series or you know there's factions and stuff and the whole world exists but you could do a lot of different things i i like your idea about you know <clears throat> separate plot lines and then maybe they converge towards the end of a season maybe a couple episodes about what's going on in one vault you know to start something off and then a couple episodes about like you know some raider group something out of a vault um and then some other stuff like that maybe and then it kind of converges together somehow i don't know that, that could be interesting but yeah there's a lot of a lot of possibility here so i'm curious to see how this turns out and excited yeah michael what do you think uh, so I am actually not a huge Fallout fan. Uh, and it's not because of the world. It's mostly just because, uh, I don't know. It's weird because like, I don't like the gameplay of the Fallout games, but I like Skyrim and I like the Elder Scrolls games, which is basically the same exact thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, it just never connected with me. But I do, I played all of them, though. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> but, <laughs> again, it's just a weird thing. Uh, but 
I do love the world, and I think that's what really like draws me to it. So to see this like onto on like a television screen like will be pretty awesome. And with the creators there, because I do I have watched Westworld. Like I watched the first season of it, and if they could bring that kind of quality to like that world, I think that's super exciting. Uh, I did like the idea of like. Uh, like a main character, I guess. Uh, maybe like somebody who like comes because that's always how it starts. Like somebody comes out of the vault and whatever, and explores the world or whatever. Uh, going into like separate vaults or different locations and doing like flashbacks and stuff like that of somebody like looking at this deteriorated world and stuff. I think that would be kind of neat. Um, I think that would be a really cool idea to kind of separate it and still have different stories from like. Uh, the what is it the brotherhood or whatever i forgot what their name is called again brotherhood of steel yeah the brotherhood of steel or like i don't know there was i remember in fallout 4 they had like a whole community at fenway park that was pretty rad but like stuff like that like having those kind of moments like in a in a television show i think would be pretty cool yeah and this is actually the first uh project that this team is doing for amazon they obviously westworld is on hbo and after the success of that i forgot the name of their production company uh nolan and joy but they inked a like a multi-project deal with amazon so this is the first one in that package deal um i don't know if either of you have seen the boys which is also an amazon show i i really enjoy it and the production value in that show is incredible so I am really interested to see what they can do with this as well. And it is, for you, Michael, somebody who isn't really in love with the game, this is, you know, people often talk about why are you going to make X video game into a television show or movie, but oftentimes games aren't necessarily for everybody, but the worlds could be, right? So it's an interesting yeah. way to get people into it. So I this, I think we're all in agreement. sorry, real quick, Dom, that we want something original and not it to be plot points from a game we've already played, right? We don't want it to be the plot points of Fallout 4 or New Vegas or something. Yeah, I mean, maybe you borrow, you know, some of the side quest stories or some stuff like that. But, yeah, I wouldn't want, like, a main, you know, like, the main story from any of the games just to be plopped into a TV show, right? Yeah, that would be kind of lame. Yeah. Um, but this kind of thing, um, and obviously Fallout 76 didn't work out exactly how they wanted, but this type, this kind of transition to it from a game to a show, to me, is, like, way more exciting than uh, The Last of Us, for example, because they're doing an HBO show, right? Um, <clears throat> whereas that's, like, it's, you know incredibly narratively driven and it's like you can't i don't know what else you do besides kind of redo the story from the game into a show right which is which could be great but it's like i already played the game so what new can that bring me from yeah. the game right whereas fallout i think you have way more opportunity to do something different um as opposed to the game so it's more excited for, more exciting for me yeah. than uh, something like the last of us well, the good yeah. thing with Fallout 2 is it can pull in you or Michael, whereas, like you said, The Last of Us show, it'll probably pull in somebody like Michael who maybe enjoyed the story of Last of Us but wasn't into the actual gameplay and never finished it or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but you are kind of like, eh, I don't know if I need it. So this Fallout thing is the best of both worlds in that regard. Sorry, Michael, mm -hmm. you're going to say something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of to, like, echo Dom's point, like, The Witcher is another show that has happened, and it does kind of follow, like, that plot point of, uh, of the books and stuff like that. So, it, and it's hard for... Like, to tell Geralt's story, you cannot, like, when you want to appease people, you cannot stray away from, like, the books or even, like, yeah, the games right. later on. I'm I'm assuming that they're going to do. But, uh, yeah, like, with something with, like, Fallout, like, I love that world, and I love, like, the whole, like, post-apocalypse, like, in the 50s kind of look and stuff like that. It, it looks super awesome. That's kind of what is always, like, 
made me want to go out and buy the game in the first place. I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I, like, I love this aesthetic. It's so awesome. And then I play it, and I'm like, eh. But yeah, to to get a story like in that world, I think that is that is something for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's not all coming up. Good news for Amazon though. Uh, Crucible, if you guys don't know, was Amazon Game Studios' first major release. It was their free-to-play third-person shooter that was kind of very quietly marketed and released out there and didn't really catch wind by anybody didn't really do great on twitch either they didn't seem to do a whole lot of marketing it on their own platform as well and uh we got reports now that it under underperformed so badly that they're reverting it back into a closed beta form which is something i've never seen for a game before yeah. where they fully launched the game no one played it and they're like e let's just bring this back into closed beta it, it's very odd um yeah and I guess uh, the the question here is we've seen this with Google Stadia as well where these big companies think that they just put money behind something and they'll be able to enter the gaming space and be successful. And what both of them have seen is that that's not the way it works in the gaming industry. At, at least that's the way it seems. The weird thing to me, and I don't know if you guys noticed this either, but with Crucible, I would assume, you know, it's Amazon Game Studios' first major title. It's free to play. Why wasn't this plastered all over Twitch, right? Their own platform. Yeah. Why wasn't this marketed heavily? They have the marketing budget. They're Amazon. I don't know if maybe internally they saw this game. We're like, I don't know if this is going to be successful. And they're like, let's just release it quietly and see if it catches on or not. I don't know. It's very weird to me. I don't know what you guys think. And why wasn't like, um, I guess it's not Dr. Disrespect anymore, but whoever, <laughs> the, you know, the next, you know, the next, you know, high uh, volume, like Twitch streamers are like, why weren't they paid to? play this game and like share it and talk about it um, and maybe they were but i didn't hear any, i don't know anything about it so yeah 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 I, I thought i'm with you and like i don't remember anything like this ever happening yeah. uh and it, it, i feel like usually like some when somebody releases a game and it's just not going to work it just kind of dies like it kind of goes away like lawbreakers or like I know these are both. Or... I, I know these are both boss key games, but also like Radical Heights too and stuff like that. Like yeah. when something just like just doesn't work, it just goes away, which is like unfortunate because there's a lot of people who worked hard on that stuff. But like that's just kind of what happens, unfortunately. And like to see them like, oh, oh, wait a second, no, maybe we could do something better and like go back into beta phase and try to improve it. I guess that's kind of. I mean, that's interesting because I guess they have the funds to do that whereas like a normal indie game developer can't just say oh wait we're gonna go back into beta sorry you know um it's just an interesting interesting way to do that and then at what point do you start considering the sunken cost fallacy right of like well are we just going to continue pumping money to this because we can or should we just cut bait and run and i do think these companies are starting to realize that like you can release a polished triple a free-to-play game and it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to want to play it you know just as weird this weird industry we're, we're in that it's what's their next upcoming game? It's an MMO, right? New World? Like, yes, it's do yeah, they New World. delay that release and maybe figure out that they learned something from this Crucible launch and be like, oh, maybe let, let's re- release and close beta from the jump. And then, because like um, Valorant, right? Valorant was all over Twitch and they had streamers do that closed key thing where you would watch streamers for X amount of time and then get a, an opportunity to get a key to play the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Amazon didn't do that with Crucible because you're kind of you're drumming up hype for the game. It's fake hype, but it is a way to build an interest into your game because everybody wants mm-hmm. to get involved and everybody has FOMO, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's odd. I just thought it was such a weird story that we wanted to cover it. I don't know if we'll ever talk about Crucible again on this show unless maybe the day it closes or whatever. But 
Yeah, for a game to go back into closed beta, it's so weird. What um, a lame name, though. What what a lame title. Crucible. I'm just gonna put that out there. It's just so generic. It's like, isn't that the Destiny multiplayer? It's, it's called it Crucible. It is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Think of something more creative, guys. I know you're better than that. That sounds yeah. like a marketing term that someone came up with. Crucible. Well, they want that single. They want that Overwatch hype, right? Where it's like a single word, and it's like Crucible. That's um, true. Yeah. Very odd. Uh, next up, we have some news about the Xbox event that's supposed to be coming now in July. According to Video Games Chronicle, the highly anticipated Xbox July event will be taking place on the 23rd. Previously, we had heard rumblings that it was going to be taking place during the week of July 20th, so this kind of checks out with that other rumor. And it'll feature first and third-party titles. This was kind of shocking to people, but it's something I had always assumed because the event itself was always pitched as the coming-out party for Xbox's next-gen first-party lineup, right? But like we saw with PlayStation, they had third-party partnership deals for exclusives or timed exclusives. So I, I don't know. I always assumed we were also going to see third-party titles. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there will be like a, a Batman level where it's not timed exclusive, but it's just a third-party game. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about the 23rd? Do you think it's like too late in the month? And are you shocked by the first and third-party titles both being there? Or did you assume the same as I did? Yeah, makes sense to me. By first and third, yeah, I can like. The, the idea here is like Series X, guys, like let's sell this thing and we're going to have plenty yeah. of probably Halo Infinite and some other first party games, plenty of third party too, probably more Assassin's Creed and yeah, yeah, maybe some Batman or Harry Potter or whatever else, right? That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Michael? So, yeah, um, I, I thought it was just going to be first party titles because I remember them talking about their like Xbox 2020, like, shows or whatever and i thought there was supposed to be like a show every month but there wasn't one in june so i wonder if like that all was like oh maybe we put all of them like the third parties and the first party games all in one and then all the social events happening right with black lives matter and everything that might have been like hey instead of having an event this month let's put out the xbox article about what was it ray tracing or something optimized for xbox that's what it was and then yeah like like you said push it to july and mix them both together maybe yeah that's i mean that's what i I, that's what I think probably happened, but I don't know. Uh, but I am excited for it. Like, I think the 23rd is a fine date. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening in July. Like, I mean, with Ghost of Tsushima coming out in the middle of the month and stuff like that. Uh, I think, like, doing it late in July, I think that's probably a smart move. Um, I'm I'm super excited for it, though. Like, we're going to get Halo Infinite gameplay, which I'm, I love Halo. Um We'll probably get some other cool stuff. I think the initiative, I think that's the developer's name, uh, one of like Xbox's like first party studios. They're going to be showing their first game, which is I think rumored to be a perfect dark game, like I a think. reboot. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I would like to see a new Fable. That would be awesome. Uh, one thing I didn't include Fable. was a trademark that recently popped up where they they trademarked for Fable, and I was seeing yeah. Twitter accounts too. So yeah, yeah. Th- so I. To see, you know, Fable from, I think it's Playground Games, the guys who make Forza Horizon, which I also really love, uh, to see that, like, that would be, like, super hype if, if, if a new Fable got announced. But, yeah, I'm excited to see, like, what the Xbox Series X, like, has to offer in terms of, like, first-party things, because PlayStation had a really solid presentation for theirs, so if Xbox can follow it up and be just as good and hope maybe better, like, that would be awesome. Well, I think an extended gameplay segment for Halo, I think, would do wonders for everyone. Because I love the PlayStation event, but the biggest titles they showed, we didn't get really really get extended gameplay for those titles. 
And yeah. I do think people are still yearning for an extended segment for a next-gen title. So hopefully they're able to deliver that. The one weird rumor that I don't think is true but would be crazy is there's just rumor floating around that Double Fine's working on the next Banjo game. Oh, that'd which be is wild. very interesting, yeah. And yeah. then the one that we keep forgetting about that was unveiled at XO19 is Everwild, the, the next game from no, Rare. Rare game. So yeah. we might be able to see that as well with the like Breath of the Wild-type art style to it. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, I thought this was really funny, uh, NBA Jam. So the creator of NBA Jam finally confirms the longstanding conspiracy theory that the game was programmed so that if the Chicago Bulls took a last-second shot against the Detroit Pistons, it would always miss. Uh, he was from Detroit, obviously, if you're not familiar with sports. Back in the 90s, there was this heated rivalry between the Pistons and the Bulls. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in Michael Jordan's, obviously, heyday. So it's really funny. People thought this was true, and it was like, oh, it's just one of those video game legends. And he came out and was like, yeah, I was born and raised in Detroit. I hated the Bulls. <laughs> I made this. It was a thing. Um, that is – I didn't hear about this. That is spectacular. That makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah, so I, petty, I but this, so funny. <laughs> I read this in the news in, in your, like, rundown. I was like, what? And I was like – and I'm like, maybe I have to hate this game because I, I live in – I live in Illinois. I live in Chicago. I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan. I'm like, maybe I need to hate NBA Jam now because I <laughs> I played as the Bulls all the time. <laughs> so can that you, or the Supersonics. But, like, yeah, it, I was like, dang, I really love that you game. Picture, you, like, you get one of those That's a Raven flashbacks where, you like, you go back to a memory where you're playing a friend as a kid and you take a last-second shot with the Bulls to win and you miss and you use the Pistons. That's yep. so funny. Yeah. I could just picture, like, two kids, like, two brothers or whatever, um, like, 10 years old, like, like conspiracy like i swear it misses every time i don't get it it's bullshit (laughs) but like they were right like who who knew the the counter to anybody picking the bulls in nba jam was just to pick the pistons that's so funny um yeah it is a neat little story it was in an interview by the way that he was doing and he's like yeah i'll finally confirm it it happened because if you had to confirm at the time the amount of bulls fans man that game and remember that that game was made by midway who is a development studio in illinois so yeah (laughs) <laughs> even dicier. Uh, yep. Next up, uh, one thing I, I forgot to put in the rundown, um, PlayStation had a little indies presentation where they announced, I believe, nine games coming to both the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Um, definitely check that out. It was a, quite a lot of information. They had trailers and stuff, so do yourself a, a favor and go check that out. It's cool to see PlayStation going back to doubling down on indies after they you know, took off to the races in terms of unit sales and were like, yeah, we're good with indies for right now. So, obviously, with the next gen, they're doubling down again, which is awesome to see. Uh, Xbox Game Pass, we had some news here. So, Soul Calibur 6, Fallout 76, and a couple of other titles are going to be coming in July. I'm stoked. Uh, I'm not a fighting game fan, but Soul Calibur uh, as a franchise is, is one that I always like to dabble in. Um, and then, obviously, Fallout 76 we talked about. I've been waiting since that game release. I'm like, I'm going to play when it comes in Game Pass. It's a train wreck right now. And it's the Wastelanders one, too, so you get that DLC included, which is cool. And there was also CrossCode, which is a highly reviewed game that I'm not too familiar with, and another title. Those will be coming on July 9th. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention about Xbox Game Pass is multiple developers tweeted out uh, over the last week and a half that their games tripled in sales following their entry into the service. This is something that we've covered on the podcast before, Michael, where the question is, is Game Pass good for indie developers, right? You put your game in there, does it sell? What do you get from it? What's the deal on the back end? And we've seen numerous times now with a couple more developers coming and speaking about it that they're seeing way better sales from it, which is really cool. Um, Because with next gen uh, and something we'll get into later with the 
cost the game, subscription services might take center stage. And, you know, people are worried is, are how do these developers are going to thrive in a system like that, right? So, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. Are you guys surprised that Game Pass is leading to better sales with games, or is this something that you had read before and are familiar with? I feel That's like, I mean, I feel like the uh, the whole, I, I feel like it gives it a platform, like it gives indie developers a platform to be where they can like advertise their games on a way that they probably couldn't have had, like if they did not do the whole Game Pass thing. It's kind of yeah. like I think of it almost like. Um, like the summer of arcade stuff, like for 360, where it would always spotlight a bunch of indie games. Like that's how Super Meat Boy and like Fez and stuff like that. Uh, those were part of those uh, those deals and stuff like that, where they kind of get like a, a good advertising spot. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the same thing here with like uh, Game Pass, where you know it somebody might not want to take a chance on like I think this week it was like the Descenders dev said that which is yep. like this downhill, like, uh, I think it's almost like, not a roguelike, but it's procedurally generated levels and stuff like that where you just go downhill on a bike. And maybe somebody doesn't want to spend, like, $20 on a game that they don't really know about unless they, like, look at reviews and stuff like that. But at least here, like, they could go in and try the game out for themselves and then decide if they want to purchase it because they do cycle them out every so often unless they're, it seems like only the first-party titles they don't cycle out. So it is yeah. cool to see that like they are able to, you know, get like give people like access to these games without like, you know, breaking the bank or anything like that. But then also it gives them the chance to like possibly purchase the games and there's sometimes like a discounts too. So I think that's really a good deal. It seems like a good deal for, for both parties, for the player yeah. and the and the developer. Yeah, that's weird that um I think we first like really all saw it back when like rocket league came to ps plus right and yeah. it just got huge and then obviously after that month you had to pay for it again um but it obviously it was our it had just gotten huge so it continued to sell but that boost that initial boost kind of like you know gave it that runway to do that so that's it's that's that kind of effect right um even if it's on game pass for like a year it's kind of like it's crazy because it could be on there for an extended amount of time and still increasing the sales. Because um, the initial thought was like, why would the sales increase? Because you could just play it on Game Pass. Um, but apparently, like people are also buying it, um, which is pretty cool to, to hear stories like like Jared you mentioned, where the devs are saying like, yeah, this has worked out great for us um, uh, to put our game on Game Pass. So it's pretty cool. And I don't think you got to worry about like um, it being a bad thing for indie games unless like a streaming or a uh, subscription service like is all there is to offer then it might get tougher for indie games but when that when those same games are still being sold you know individually um th then it's it seems like it's just a great thing so yeah and the two things i wanted to add real quick are one the word of mouth marketing right so i have friends who are willing to pay 10 to 15 bucks for an indie game but won't subscribe to a subscription service they're just weird like that so if you play a game and then you tell your friend like, oh, this is a really good game, you should check it out, get Game Pass, There, a lot of people are more willing to just buy the game outright, right, for a cheaper price. So that works. Um, on top of the fact that uh, a lot of the games on Game Pass don't always have the DLC included. So what probably happens too mm. is people play those games, they really enjoy them, and it's either A, I want more of the game, let me buy the DLC, or two, 
you know, a lot of people kind of want to give money back and they're like, well, how can I help and support this developer even more? I got the game for free through Game Pass. Let me buy some of their microtransactions or DLC, right, mm -hmm. and help them out. So that could be helping as well on the back end. Lastly, yeah. in the trifecta of uh, Xbox game news, they announced this demo event in part, I don't know, the whole summer Game Fest thing with Jeff Keighley is so confusing. It's kind of like he just gets a rubber stamp and puts it on stuff. He's like, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, I'm doing that one too. Yeah. Um, so Xbox is doing this demo event that will run from July 21st to July 27th. It'll feature dozens of upcoming and unreleased games at various stages in development. So basically there's going to be some games coming out in the next few months that you'll be able to check out, as well as games that are very early on, and they kind of preface it in the report of it saying like yo these games are subject to change some of them will likely have bugs some of them will likely have issues but we want to give everyone an opportunity to check them out and one of the headliners i saw so far that have been announced is the destroy all humans remake and that's a game that i'm interested to see if how modernized they made that remake because as somebody who's been playing spongebob battle for bikini bottom uh it's just a ps2 game with updated graphics like they didn't modernize it at all has a lot yeah. of issues still i'm still enjoying the game it's dumb fun it was only 30 bucks but with something like destroy all humans which i don't have the nostalgia that i do for spongebob i'm curious personally to see how extensive that remake is how do you guys feel about this demo event happening obviously we live in a world now where public events aren't going to be taking place anytime soon and we've always wondered, hey, we want to check out the games that people get to check out at E3. Not everybody gets to go to those things. Do you think this might be a really cool alternative moving forward? And maybe in the future, PlayStation has something like this too, right? Where people can check out these demos. I thought it was a cool idea. You know, so. I'm always on board for more demos, more ways to play demos, more ways that, you know, anything like that. Um, like, I, demos are great. Because, um, yeah, like, let's try something out, especially like, when games are 60 bucks or whatever it is, even 20 bucks and, and anywhere in between, like, yeah, like if we can get a demo out there and get more eyes and hands on games, like I'm always on board for that. It could be helpful. What, um, actually a case where it wasn't helpful, but it was, I think this is rare was we always talk about final fantasy seven remake where like me and Jared both played the demo and we're like, Oh crap, this is actually cool. We weren't interested and now we're both going to buy the game. I ended up not liking the game itself that much, but the demo <laughs> did its job. So, yeah. Yeah. Sold you on it, yeah, Michael. Yeah, you... yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Like, uh, I think Steam had like the same kind of their summer yep. games festival or whatever. They also had a thing where they had a bunch of demos, and I've got to play some of them. And yeah, it's it's good because you know sometimes they do, it's kind of going back to like what I was saying with like the Xbox Game Pass thing about like like good advertising for smaller indie devs and stuff like that. Oh, you don't. It's not like you're going to be playing Halo Infinite or something like that, or you know bigger huge triple a games a lot of the times it's it's stuff like the destroy all humans remake and stuff like that so i it's it's a good way to get like smaller devs like uh those games into other people's hands and have them try it and then if they like it you know they can they could go out and they could buy it and um or wait to buy it and i guess maybe in this case but uh yeah it's 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 good like it's always great to get hands on on stuff and and check it out and check out anything new and exciting so. And when uh, xCloud is available to the general public, I think it'll help this out even more because then people don't have to download these demos, right? They can just hop in. It would my, is my assumption is that they could just be like, oh, I want to check out that game, and you're into it. So I think xCloud Man. will benefit this too when it rolls out. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like a year ago, I read some article about like the original intent of uh, PlayStation Now was going to be purely for demos when Sony bought it. <laughs> Like, oh, that's Gaikai. what they originally, <laughs> when they bought Gaikai, like they wanted it to be like if you're in the store 
you could just click on something and then you're playing it right there just for like five minutes or something you're streaming it um and then it turned into like a whole service otherwise but yeah i think being able to if xcloud can utilize that something like that as well to get more demos out there that's that's great because then because yeah then you don't gotta ask someone to wait two hours or however long to i guess it's xbox so it's probably a more reasonable amount of time to download the game um <laughs> yeah yeah well, even XCloud will benefit Game Pass too, man. Like when that's available mm-hmm. to everybody, and if it works as good as everybody has seen it work, um, I think everyone's going to benefit on the Xbox platform. And now that we know PlayStation's working with Microsoft and using their cloud technology, hopefully it's as great on that platform as well, and people can we can just hop into games and not have to worry about downloading a bunch of stuff. It's gonna be dope. Um, yep. This week, I didn't think we were going to get NBA 2K21 news that will lead to so many discussions revolving. <laughs> The game's release, but uh, let's dive into it. So, my headline for this is, will next-gen games cost $70? We'll get to that towards the end, but I have some other stuff I want to talk about before. So, following the information released by 2K in regards to the upcoming release of NBA 2K21, gamers have several lingering questions. Here's the information that was released. One, it'll cost $60 on current-gen consoles, that being the Xbox One, PS4, and PC, but it'll be $70 on next-gen consoles. Now you're thinking, oh, well, if I just buy the $60 version on my current-gen console, can I upgrade for free like a a lot of other games are doing? Well, you can if you buy the $100 version of the game, which this year is the Mambo Forever Edition featuring Kobe Bryant. Um, Which a lot of people go buy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which we'll get – I have this as my second question. But the first question I have with all of this information is the NBA 2K series is notorious for recurrent revenue. We've seen all of their microtransaction issues come up over the years. Uh, will players be okay spending more for the next-gen version for a game full of microtransactions? Now, this conversation is happening because, unlike A Last of Us 2, which is a very narrative story-driven game, a single-player experience, you know you're not going to have to buy anything additionally outside of, like, DLC in the future, right? NBA is notorious because it has an ultimate team mode called My Team, and then obviously it has all mm-hmm. the park stuff where you upgrade your own player. They're notorious for microtransactions. They have the whole scam or issue last year, not necessarily a scam, where they had streamers and, like, advertising to kids to spend their money on the uh, roulette wheel thing, the Wheel of Fortune wheel, to get mm-hmm. microtransactions. And the conversation is, you know, will gamers be more likely to be okay with spending $70 on Last of Us Part Two as opposed to a game that they're already likely going to be spending that 10 extra dollars already, you know, on top of the 60 they already spent at launch? Um... Do you guys think that macrotransaction-laden games will have a tougher time if this price increase is true? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly, or maybe for a minute, right? Like, But ultimately, it's going to be the same conversation it was before. It's just your base entry price is a bit higher. Yeah. You know? So, like, during this transitionary period, you know, for the first, like, year, yeah, particular games are, might get called out more than others, like NBA, like you're saying or GTA or whatever. Well, actually, GTA, bad example, because that's already a big game before any of the microtransaction stuff, right? I'm not sure about NBA. But, um, but yeah, I think ultimately it's the, the conversation doesn't change much because um, it's still microtransactions and, like, how are they implemented and are they predatory, especially towards kids and that kind of stuff? Um, or, you know, or is gambling involved? All that. I think that, all, that whole conversation could still happen the same. But then it's it, it also the same as, like, some games are looked at differently. The Witcher 3, right? Lots of shit ton of content. For 60 bucks, there's no microtransactions. So, like, no one's giving them a hard time. So, the, it'll, the same thing will follow through in the next gen. Like, big single-player games or whatever, like, 
aren't going to get a hard time, but others will. I don't think the base price changing changes the conversation too much because it's changing for everything. That's yeah my my thinking, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I kind of echo that same thing, right? Because I mean, I think it just so happens that NBA 2K21 is like the game to say like the it's the first one to say yeah. like oh we're gonna be seventy dollars, but then mm-hmm. also with like. Yes, it has like terrible, terrible microtransactions in there, um, but like, I don't think it's gonna really stop them from selling it, to, like making it seventy dollars. Like that game sells so much; it's it's like one of the top selling games of the year, like every year. I mean, like, they have a complete monopoly. On yeah, the NBA, right? So. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. well, like without, EA well, tries, without having an exclusive <laughs> license, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second question I have, and this goes into. So Madden is also a game known for focusing on Ultimate Team, right? FIFA and mm-hmm. Madden Ultimate Team make so much money that EA doesn't really have to worry about a lot of their other games being profitable because they just make so much money. Um, mm-hmm. The thing with Madden, though, is that that's going to have a free upgrade available, right? And we still don't know the Madden price for next gen. We're assuming it's going to be 70 like this, but they're offering the free upgrade, unlike 2K, where you have to spend $100. And the problem here is that, you know, they're holding the free upgrade to the $100 version, which features Kobe Bryant, who recently passed away, and a lot of people are seeing it as a bit more exploitative because so yeah. normally the hundred dollar version of the game has a superstar on it that's like a hall of famer retired right but this year you're adding on top of the fact that kobe bryant recently passed away on top of the fact tragically away. exactly Twice. yes on top of the fact that the game's going to be 70 dollars. on top of the fact that this is the only way you're going to get a, a, a next gen upgrade without having to buy the game twice right so it's all of those things factored in nothing happens in a vacuum and I think that is making it feel way more exploitative than it normally would, given everything surrounding it. So, I don't know. Do you guys think it feels more exploitative because of that stuff, or am I overreacting? I think initially I thought, like, you know, because, yeah, 2K always has, like, a a superstar or something like that that's, like, always, like, the like, like a, the legendary edition or something like that, where they have, like, I think last year they had, like, Dwayne Wade. They've had, yep. I think Kobe was on one of them. I think 2K17? I the think year he, he was retired, on. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So like he was on there before, and and they always did that. So I was like, ah, oh, maybe not. But then I like, I'm like, well, what comes with this hundred dollar version? And it's just a bunch of stuff for like your my player and and your uh, and the ultimate team thing, the my team. So it's like it, none of it is like a. It it just doesn't seem worth the hundred dollars. Like you get the sure you get the two games or whatever, but if you're just going to be buying it for the next gen version. You know, like, I don't see the reason why you spend the hundred dollars. So that's when I was like, maybe this is a little bit exploitative because I'm like, I don't know. Like, it, it, the value of it is just like a bunch of digital goods that you'll never see because you're going to use them all by the time, like in the first like 10 minutes of playing the game. So it's, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I don't see. And yeah, it, it does kind of come off as exploitative a, a little bit. Well, and down the alternatives, right, are you either wait for the next gen version uh, which was likely a couple of months after the game releases and paid just 70 bucks or mm-hmm. you end up paying 130 dollars right yeah <laughs> the- exactly yeah because what i what i was going to say was the proximity between the two versions is a is an important detail here right if nba 2k would come out august or september right usually september october range from if i remember so like, it correct yeah you're gonna pay 100 bucks if as someone who knows you're gonna buy the next gen console you can pay 100 bucks now or you're just going to wait and pay $60 and get just the next-gen version, right? That's kind of like the all this – everything about, you know, uh, smart delivery and cross-buy or whatever. Like all this stuff is like important 
depending on the game and the proximity between the two versions and some yeah. of those details. Because mm-hmm. like, and maybe there's there's exceptions where well, if you have two consoles in your house, the old one and the new one, then it can matter. But a lot of it's like well, like Cyberpunk now, it's like well, I mean, yeah, that's great that it's you'll get the next gen version for free, but like. I'm going to just buy the next gen one anyway, especially now that it comes out so late. I don't really care that if it's a free upgrade or not at that yeah. point. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, this is, it's close enough. It comes out in, if it were to come out in September, the next gen version comes out in November. It's like, I guess it's exploited, but if you really want it early and yeah, and you want the next gen well, for free, then I guess you're paying a hundred bucks to have Kobe on there. And then as far as Kobe, like you got to assume that his family at least is just raking in like, mega royalties on this shit to have him plastered all over this um so i think that part of it is fine you know but. we assume it could be some nba rights where they're able to use his likeness as well without necessarily giving yeah there's a lot yeah, of you stuff hope in there. that he yeah gets his yeah. cut um and i think people our age you know people with expendable income that can get these consoles at launch you can make the decision be like oh, i'm just gonna wait and pay, buy the 70 dollars version i think who this hurts more are the kids who are going to want NBA at launch and then aren't getting a console until maybe Christmas, right? Because then yeah. at that point, you have to be like, well, do I ask my parents for another copy of the game I already got a couple of months ago? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's a tough yeah. thing right there. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Area, definitely. The last question I had is, uh, this is specifically for the $70 prices. Should we anticipate next-gen AAA games to cost $70 at launch? We've talked about inflation of gaming prices in the past, Dom, and you know, Call of Duty 2's release in 2005 kind of marks the transition to $60 games as, like, the standard. It was, It's pretty much known as, like, the catalyst for that during the 360 PS3 era. Um, and I did, you know, a little math and, you know, adjusted for inflation, $60 in 2005 is around $84 now in 2020. So we're kind of still getting a deal technically based on in- inflation of $15-ish, right? Um, do you guys... First of all, it's a two-part question for you guys. One, are you okay with $70 video games moving forward? And two, do you think this is the standard, or do you think this is 2K kind of dipping the toes to see what they can get away with, and maybe they're the catalyst like Call of Duty 2 was, and everyone follows and like, yo, $70 is the way to go? So, like, the easy easy answer for me is $70. Yeah, that's fine with me. I, I'm totally on board with that. You know, I can, I can afford that myself. Um, I don't buy too many new games every year anyway and i get you know they're expensive to make and you hear all these stories about like you know there's a lot of a lot of crunch going on in studios and they're like always screaming me deadlines so like if it can maybe not directly help some of that but you know go towards that idea of helping studios out then that's fine with me um the other part of the equation that i i'm not sure of but i think is important is like we can adjust for inflation but has the industry overall grown since 2006 in this example like um because yeah maybe the games are still 60 dollars, but are is everyone selling way more copies than they used to yeah that might make up for the lack of price increase right as if across the board we're selling more games then maybe that's when what's sustaining the lack of price increase um, but on the opposite they, end of that yeah. game budgets as well right how expensive a game's gotten does that alleviate the change in the number of copies being sold too because if AAA games are being more expensive to be made and they're selling more, then it kind of also en- ends up leveling out too, if that's the case, right? So a lot of mm-hmm. factors you have to figure in terms yeah. of pricing and everything. Uh, I'm down with Michael, <laughs> Yeah, Michael, where do you stand on these? I, I mean, yeah, I'm I, again, like, I'm 
I'm totally fine with a $70 price tag. At launch, it, it just becomes a weird thing just because of how the whole smart delivery or cross-gen stuff is happening because like stuff like Cyberpunk is like, oh, yeah, you'll just be able to upgrade it for free, no problem. It's going to be $60 no matter what. Whereas yeah. like NBA 2K is like it's either 60 or 70 the, the What I think 2K is dipping their toes in is if they could get away with selling a $100 version that gives you both copies, uh, which is kind of like a weird thing because you can't just freely upgrade from the 61. That's yeah, me. That's where I think 2K or uh, take two is, is really trying to dip their toes. If they could get a, not, I don't want to say like, get away with this. Can I get away with this? No, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean it like that. I mean like, can, well, yeah. Like, could they get away with, with selling these two games like this? Whereas like, I feel like other companies, it, it, it's something even like Halo infinite, right? Like Halo infinite is going to be a smart delivery game. It's going to be on Xbox one and, and Xbox series X. Like, how is that going to, uh, what's the price going to look like for that game? Because well, it's that's an odd case Xbox too. Xbox One, right? Because it's also launching into Game Pass. Yeah, right. So. It, it's such, it's such a, it's such it's a weird thing game. where it's like, yeah. is this going to be a sixty dollars? Well, like all the Game Pass games, they've they've all been like like Years Five was like sixty bucks normally or whatever. So it's like, is that going to be a sixty dollars game? But it's also just going to freely upgrade to the Xbox Series X version at launch, and then maybe stuff that's i don't know it just becomes really weird when it comes to like all the smart delivery and cross-gen stuff but to your i think point, that 2K, having oh sorry to your point 2k is trying to hedge their bets right like they don't expect everyone to spend 130 dollars right for both versions yeah they kind of anticipate somebody's going to pay 60 or pay 70 but they're like how about we offer this hundred dollar middle option <laughs> you mm -hmm. know and see if the people will buy it on that you're totally right on that yeah because i mean i don't really see the point of doing that because I, I feel like you're going to either buy one or the other and i think even if you're like you know one of those kids that like oh maybe i get a console later right sports games come out every year right like you could just yeah. get the next one next year if you wanted to seven and, months and later it, yeah. and honestly it might be a better idea too anyway because i've at least from when i've played sports games like on launch day i feel like like i think the one was nba 2k 14 that launched with the ps4 it was super bare bones like there is not a lot in there the generation, the generational transitional uh, sports games are always like the weakest because it's like they're yeah. moving over to a new platform. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. other, sorry, the other piece of it is those games are supposed to be backwards compatible anyway. So like, yeah, you'd be That's paying seventy. Thing. <laughs> say if yeah, if you bought NBA, if you bought two K in September and got your new console, it's like you can buy the seventy dollar new gen version or just backwards compat your existing disc. <laughs> Yeah, some of right? the sports games will do a thing where features are only available in the next gen versions, though. Yeah, yeah. So like, and they they do mention that good. in the two K. They they do mention that in like the two K twenty one one where they'll have like two second load times and upgraded graphics and I think other features. I can't remember what else they said, but yeah. But then you talk about the optimized backwards compatibility for the system, and it's like, well, how much better is my Xbox One version of 2K21 going to be in comparison yeah. to the Xbox One X version so of it. There's so many parts or series here. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, 2K tw is like kind of overcomplicating in a way because, I, like you yeah. said, they're trying to get a little bit more money than what they would get if they're just like, pay 60 and then get the free upgrade. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, during the 360 Xbox One transition and PS3, PS4, a lot of companies Weird. did the $10 upgrade, right? Where you can pay like 10 mm -hmm. bucks yeah. and you get the new version. Yep. And Super weird. And now we're in between, like, free or pay an extra $40. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> and do you think that a lot of these companies are waiting for the systems to get prices before they give their own game prices? Because we've seen a fair number of 
games we expect to be on next-gen consoles at launch, but none of them have gotten price points, right? At all, except for NBA 2K21. Hmm. Like, Madden didn't good give a point. price for next-gen. That is a good point. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like the games are just going to be whatever price they're going to be, like, separate from the console. Like, the, like I don't know. I feel like these consoles are going to be really expensive, personally. But, like, Man. I don't know. So then what What else is weird? Say, like, everyone kind of goes to 70 in a few months here. Then, like, Switch games are still 60. Where, like, normally Nintendo charges, like, a premium. So, like, that would kind of feel weird. But like, you obviously yeah, but can't start charging 70 for Switch games mid-gen, right? Here's the thing, though. Is a lot of those $70 games will become $40 games in a couple of months, whereas the Nintendo right. games will be $60 for five yeah. years. Forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's so weird. I'm interested to see what exactly happens if there is pushback from people, if everyone does dive into the $70 price point, because that becomes a marketing leverage point, too, of, oh, our competitors are offering their games at $70, but we're going to offer our games at $60, right? Um, mm-hmm. that's a way NBA Live could possibly jump in and maybe come in at $50 on next gen though they tried that in the past for like a $20 game and it still didn't sell probably a bad example because NBA Live is a trash fire at this point but <laughs> it, it is the upgrade in price leaves a lot more room in between for people to experiment with pricing too I think that's one thing that I I wasn't expecting the Spongebob game to be $30 did I think it deserved to be $30 yes but I assumed that at least it'd be 40 and I'm glad they experimented with the price on that and i hope in next gen 2 maybe the standard for the big triple a tent poles is 70 but maybe these some like double to triple a games do come out at at 60 or maybe even 50 right and experiment with that range and that scale so we'll see what happens i don't know this whole 2k21 situation is as if they didn't need more controversy every year something something with 2k (laughs) there's always something It's, it's weird too that you know ea was hated for a long time and they've been so welcoming to listen to feedback with not only fixing the next gen upgrade stuff where they had deadlines where there's no deadlines anymore to now hearing the madden feedback on twitter and being like yo we're gonna try to work towards you know bettering the game and 2k over these last couple of years has slowly turned into the ea people hated not, with a lot of yeah, the stuff they're doing it's not even just like nba i'm i'm a wrestling fan so i played a wwe 2k oh, game God. all the time <laughs> yeah. and uh that last one was god awful the thing that sucks is like i I've gone to those events like every year, so I kind of like know the devs like for visual concepts there, and like they're they're super nice dudes. They they mean I I hear them talk about the game and they love the game and they or like they love like wrestling and they know wrestling and stuff like that. And then to see like something like WWE 2K20 come out was like such a real bummer because a lot of the features they were putting in there like on paper were stuff that was like oh yeah this sounds awesome, and then you play oh well. I mean, seeing it, it, it speaks for itself, really, <laughs> honestly. Like, it is, yeah, the bugs oh, it is and glitches. A, and... Yeah, it is a trash fire, unfortunately. But, like, I really do think, like, a lot of the devs and stuff usually mean well. Like, and this is just talking about devs. I feel like a lot, I don't know, between devs and publishers and stuff like that. But at least, like, when I've talked to the devs on this stuff from visual concepts, like, they definitely like, they love the sport and they are passionate about the game that they're creating. And putting in like loot boxes and stuff like that is is kind of always like a talking point at those presentation things too so it's always like a like we're trying not to do this kind of stuff <laughs> like we don't want to do so it's well, like uh, the tough thing with sports developers is that so unlike call of duty where they have different development studios working on a three-year cycle obviously that's kind of been modeled this year with black ops potentially coming out and uh Tre- Treyarch took over for was it raven 
Sledgehammer? Uh, was it Sledgehammer? Uh, yeah, it was Sledgehammer. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of like stripped that game away from them. Like it's a Black Ops yeah. game now. Yeah. Uh, but they have like development teams working, trading off. With a lot of these sports titles, they're the same studios working with like seventh month development windows, it's right? It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, well, how much can we change in that short span of time? And I think a lot of it falls more on the publisher of like, we need these to be annual. We need to turn one out every year. And developers yeah. are like, well, this is my job. What's the best we can do in seven to eight months with the resources we have allocated? And you do end up having situations where WWE 2K. 20 comes out and it's a complete trash fire you know what i mean yeah. um so yeah we'll see what happens this uh, whole pricing thing is going to be interesting um i i do think that this can lead towards more success with the subscription services too because i think it's that 70 dollars price jump though we can afford it and we're cool with that i think some people are going to be so against it as humans are with change that a lot of people might opt towards the subscription services because they see better value in it of like, I'm not going to be buying these $70 games at launch anyways. Might as well subscribe to PS Now or Xbox Game Pass where I can get the most bang for my buck. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Let's hop into what we've been playing. Like we said at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about Last of Us Part Two a little bit, but we won't get into any spoilers. Obviously, Dom and Michael will give their impressions as people who have completed the game, and I'll give my impressions as somebody who's <laughs> dipping my toes in. Uh, but before that, real quick, I want to mention I've been playing more Animal Crossing New Horizons. Almost have my island complete. I'm almost to the point where I just have to check in and do like the minor little daily tasks. The game is so good. The music is so relaxing, especially in the current times we're living in. It's, it's good to have a game I can just get into and just chill, right, and not have to worry about anything. And did that you, soundtrack uh, is so good. Did you play the new update yet, Gone Swimming? Uh, so it came out today, the day we're recording, July 3rd. Oh, okay. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, um, but I'm super excited to check it out. Uh, the swimming and then the new NPC and everything, just adding a little bit more to the world. Um, yeah. On top of that, I've been playing some more Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone, mm. having a blast. That, that game is so fun. Uh, out of all the Battle Royales, I, I enjoy it the most because my friends generally are all the best at that game in terms of their skill level uh so, so i like apex legends a lot but the problem is is some of my friends aren't very good at apex legends so they don't really have a whole lot of fun in that game um but a lot of my friends we grew up playing call of duty together for years so they kind of have that natural itch with that type of play style so playing warzone it gives us the best advantage in terms of being able to actually win matches and for them to get kills so been having a blast with that as well outside of that Oh, Pokemon, the new DLC. I barely dipped my toes into it. I haven't had a chance a whole lot to play Isle of Armor, but um, the bit I have played, it's cool to see a Pokemon game get DLC for the first time. Normally, they just release the third version of the game, and that's it. This game is getting, obviously, Isle of Armor and then the Crown Tundra. Um, so it, I want to dive more into it and see exactly what they added because the problem with the third version of the Pokemon games, ever since Gold and Silver, which had incredible post-game stuff, is that they're kind of hollow and they're either hit or miss in terms of here's a bunch of content or here's actually nothing and you bought a new $60 game for no reason. <laughs> so the DLC is kind of like a good middle working there where you don't have to buy an entirely new $60 game, you can just buy the DLC. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Last of Us Part Two, I'll go first since I've played the least amount of it. I just entered Seattle uh, on the map. Once again, we talked about this last week, Dom. The level of detail in this game is incredible. The animations are incredible. A gripe I have that I've noticed is that, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this, this is the most, like, bugs I've seen in a Naughty Dog game. And I'm not saying they're crazy, they're not WWE 2K20 levels <laughs> by any means, but I don't remember experiencing one bug in the first Last of Us, and in this one, 
I've had a couple of them. The rope area where you're throwing the rope, I've had a bunch of issues with that. And then a couple of times grabbing some notes from drawers. Ellie does this weird thing where she like moves without moving in front of the cabinet and then it gets like glitched and then she pops up and then grabs the letter. Very huh. odd. I do want to say too, I'm playing on like a regular PS4. So I'm not playing on a pro or anything. I'm playing on the slim. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say there. I don't have a lot to add in terms of narrative or experience because I'm so early on. But yeah, it's what I expected it to be for better or worse. And just these weird glitches are kind of odd, but it hasn't taken away from my enjoyment of the game and the performances, which are so good. Uh, Dom, we talked about how we're all, well, I'm past like the first major story beat that happens. And boy, do the performances following that story beat kill me. <laughs> boy howdy like man it's it's real tough but enjoying the game i'm excited to see what you guys have to say considering you both have finished it and michael you said before the show that you're actually playing through for a second time which is really neat um so i guess since you weren't here last week michael let us know what your overall impressions are of the game uh i i really like this game a whole lot um i guess like just some top level stuff just i think I don't know. It's it's hard because I'm I'm still thinking about like what my opinion is of this game at this point because I still I, I beat it like a week ago and I'm still kind of like thinking about it all the time. Like I I'm like constantly thinking about like mm-hmm. what this game means. Like what what is the what is the what is the themes here that they're sharing and stuff like that. What what is happening? Like what what's going? What is what's the future of this? Uh, is there a future of this? Like that I just keep asking myself like a ton of questions after I've played the game. I I. Th- I think I, I like I've reviewed a lot of games and I think this would be maybe one of the only games I've never given a 10 to a game. This would maybe be one of the ones that I give a 10 to if I were to have reviewed it now that I'm like a week apart and I could kind of think clearly about it and not like how I thought about Final Fantasy 7 remake where I thought it was good initially and then I kept on thinking about how bad it was and then I hate it. <laughs> so and just so people know 10 doesn't mean perfect. So don't come in yeah, mind it and does be not like, mean but perfect. the game isn't perfect. That's not Yeah, it's not perfect. Things. I do like I think there's a lot of big pacing issues with the story and even some of the the gameplay encounter stuff. I think there's a lot of pacing issues. That's like my main gripe on it. But I think like of how well detailed the world is and how the story, I think the storytelling is really good for the most part. Um, I liked, I, at first I thought maybe, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know about this. And then, I f- like, there were some holes here and there. And then, sure enough, like, Naughty Dog is able to, like, basically fill all those holes in and, and tell a really complete and really compelling story. So I, I think it's really, really, really well done. I, it's probably right now one of my, probably my favorite game of the year so far. Um and also, like, uh, just talking about, we were talking about before, like, uh, I, I don't really like Naughty Dog's gameplay. Like, I have I don't like playing the Uncharted games. I like the Uncharted games, don't get me wrong. I think they're great games. But I've never liked the shooting in them, especially since they're so action-heavy. Whereas opposed to, like, The Last of Us, which is why I like that one a little bit more, because it's not so action-heavy. And so I'm not relying on using their bad shooting system. So in that case, then it's like, okay, yeah, I, I like this. I, I'm having a good time. Whereas this, I feel like they've, like drastically improved that and I think a lot of it comes from like some of the open environment stuff from Uncharted 4 um, where this is kind of the same way where it's a little bit more open and more vertically built uh, so yeah I I guess just to kind of conclude it yeah I'm, I've, I love that game I think it's really good it's probably one of my favorites this year and maybe one of my favorites of the generation and Jesse's like awesome it? and that's my fan account I, I made a fan <laughs> account it's Jesse Jesse's Jesse the best awesome. 
I love him. Uh, do you like it more than the first game? Yeah. Would you say? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely um, an example of like, I like this game more than the first one too. But that's this a lot of why this game is so good is because of the first one. I can't yeah. give specifics around that yet. That is but true. It, it's one of those where like, yeah, it's much better, but it can only do that because the first one did what it did first, uh, both gameplay and narrative wise. Um, but yeah, like the, it's obviously looks much better. It's on a newer generation. Uh, the gameplay is much deeper and um, the, it's just so much more, there's more you can interact with uh, and like, you know, the environments are more real objects are more real. I don't know how to say that better, but like as you're fighting and you know, like a, you're punching a guy and he falls over this ledge and you're still the way he reacts to yeah. the objects around him is just that kind of stuff. Me and Jared talked about this uh, uh, last, last time around too. That kind of stuff is just so much um, more technically impressive. Um, but then narratively I had the same kind of thing where I was a f- two or three days ago where I finally finished it. And I, it is just like the most, like, I don't know if there's a, an example of a game that just like, just was more pervasive in my fucking head after I was done with it. Where I was yeah. just like, ah, the last like half of the game in general, I just couldn't stop thinking about it all the time. I was just like, oh, and the last, uh, you know, last couple chapters were just, I I'm trying to find the right word without spoiling things, but it's just like so effective in making you feel uh, what it's trying to make you feel. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think Naughty Dog is really good at is, uh, you know, manipulating you making (laughs) uh, making you feel certain things and how they they do that through narrative and gameplay and the blending of those two is is really good and the last thing i'll say is whereas uncharted uh, always gets the criticism and rightfully so that like you're just shooting hundreds or thousands of guys in the game and it's like it's no big deal and like nathan drake is just cool with it and he's happy go lucky even though like he's a mass murderer on the level of like Hitler, you know, by the fourth game, he's killed so many people, right. Whether they deserved it or not. But, um, the last of us, and they started this in the first game where every kill feels more, more intense and more meaningful. This game quadruples down on that. And it mm-hmm. does things narratively that, uh, I just have to be careful saying this, but like, just affect you in such a it, deeper way. Like, I'm excited to talk specifics later, but it, um, it ba- I don't want to yeah. say just justifies it. I don't know if that's the right word, but it like kind of it kind of like explains it in a way. Like it, it definitely does stuff narratively mm-hmm. to be like, oh, okay, th- it's because of this or something like that. So. Right. Basically, like there, you, there's not a single person um, or thing you kill in this game that you don't feel for in a, yeah. some kind of way. Um, every everyone you're fighting uh, y- everyone has a, their own story and there's justification for everything like you just said um, uh, but I, I'm excited to talk uh, more spoiler details later on because that's that's what the, has been most effective and uh, about this game is just just narratively it just like man it just it fucks you up and the way it, it does things everything matters it's kind of like God of War in that sense where everything you're doing in the game matters narratively um, like all the gameplay everything connects um man yeah it's really good it's It's really good yeah we will be doing a spoiler cast when i'm finished with it separate from the actual podcast maybe michael you'll be able to join us for that if you're available that'd be really cool absolutely um it's the thing with last of us and last of us and naughty dog in general is they make games that in my opinion everyone doesn't need a like but they do such a good job of making somebody feel something 
And with art, I think people get this misconstrued. Art isn't something everyone's supposed to like. Art is something that makes you feel something. And it could be hate. It could be disinterest, right? But I do think they make stuff that makes you feel a certain way one way or another, and I, they do that very well. Um, so I want to give them props on that. I'm excited to get through the game. Uh, relatively, what, like 25 hours is the average play time? So yeah. I, don't, I don't have I a whole I lot like there. I think I was 22 or 23. I, yeah, yeah, I think I beat it in 23. Okay, just depending on maybe how... how much you sift through collectibles or open areas, I assume. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, Michael, you wanted to mention outside of Last of Us that you've been playing? Uh, yeah. I, I'll mention just three things that, I, like, just real quick. Is uh, I've been playing Alan Wake. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which, like, I uh, I had never finished, so I am currently finishing that. Um, I'm on like the fourth chapter. That game holds up still. That game came out in like 2008 or four. That's great I don't to remember. Hear. But yeah, it to- totally holds up, I think. I feel like it holds up, at least. I'm playing it on PC, too, so, like, it's, like, I, and I I get recently just got a really nice PC, so, like, the game's running at, like, above 100 frames per second and stuff, so that also might be because why it's holding up, <laughs> yeah. because I feel like if you play this on a 360, it probably wouldn't. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, The it, back it's awesome. pad I've heard is better than obviously the way it originally played because it and gets optimized through back compat but yeah. yeah compared to your setup i doubt it's even and, close and that's and that's on game pass so yep oh, so cool. yeah uh another thing i've been playing uh, i guess real I, quick I question these... sorry with oh, the yeah, alan sure. wake thing sorry to yeah. interrupt you oh no did you play quantum break at all i did did so yeah. there's a alan wake easter egg at the very beginning of that game which is really cool and then uh the other question i had for you is have you played control I so the reason why I played Alan Wake is because I know there's going to be a like a control DLC that like ties it together with Alan Wake or something, mm. and so I'm like, oh, I want to see this. So I, I'm playing Alan Wake so that I could play through the DLCs for Control. Hey, did you like Control? Yeah, I thought it was the one thing is that I played it on, I played it on an Xbox One X, and the names are getting really weird with the Xboxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I played it on Xbox One X, and like even then, like. I felt like performance wasn't really great, and so that really muddled my opinion on it. But I thought, for the most part, the story was really cool. I really enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, I got it also on PC now, and I played a little bit of it. And that thing, it's running, like, super buttery smooth, and I'm like, oh, this will be this will be the time. I want. I, I'll play it again. I'll play it over again and, and try it out. Because then it's, it's also got the ray tracing stuff and all that, and I wanted to see what it looks <clears> like, so... I hope it's back compatible launch because that's a game I want to hop into the DLC on my Series X yeah. uh, because of the performance issues. I'm with you. I had issues too. My biggest gripe with the game was the ending. Uh, it yeah, just oh, had the man. typical like, yeah. video game issue. It's but the world good. they created is super dope, and I'm, we're big fans of Alan Wake here too. I'm glad yeah. to hear it holds up though because that's always the worry with those older games. Um, yeah. Did you guys have uh, for Control, I, played, I was on PlayStation, but like every time you pause the game, or is it pause or unpause? It like pitched every single time. Like yeah. unpausing it. Like, yeah. 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 It was, it was such a weird did. thing. That yeah. game should have like that's a game that totally should have just been delayed until next gen. You could tell it was hampered by the current gen technology. CPU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Michael. Go ahead. Oh Finish yeah. Uh, the I'm kind of putting these two together, but I was playing. I've been playing a lot of uh, Session and Skater XL, which are two like. <laughs> skate like games i those are like skate is like one of my favorite games of all time so getting games like session and skater xl is awesome and i really like it i like session a whole bunch skater xl is also really good so i definitely recommend those if if you are looking for that skateboarding sim 
kind of game. Um, and then the last thing I played, which was like recently revealed, because I did a preview event with it uh, for it, uh, I played Hyperscape, which is the Ubisoft Battle Royale that just got revealed. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Uh, I am one who do- I I don't like Battle Royales a whole bunch just because I feel like they take so long to get through, and so like. I don't know. It's even stuff like any shooter. I don't really like playing like tons of rounds. It's like kind of the reason why I don't like Valorant too much is because like 13 rounds is a whole lot of game. It's like 30 round or 30 minute matches. And that's something I'm not really into. Like when I play a shooter, but hyperscape, even if you're like in the top, like three or four, it's like 10 to 15 minutes at most, which is pretty cool. And they've kind of streamlined that whole battle Royale experience in a really cool way. Um, and they've done some interesting things that I think kind of separate it from all the other battle royales that are out there. Uh, one of them is like how they do their upgrading system for like their guns. All you have to do is a, like, let's say you go up and you pick up like some assault rifle in the beginning of the game. When you find more assault rifles throughout the map, you just pick them up and it upgrades your gun automatically, and it just does like extra damage or stuff like that. Um, oh, so finding loot late game has a purpose, and it's not just you running around seeing guns. That exactly. Are useless to you. Yeah. Cool. So every, yeah, everything feels, and that's the same with like you. You could do the same thing with uh, they call them hacks, which are just like player abilities, um, and you get so it's it's stuff like uh like a health circle or like um, uh what I don't I forgot what else they have or like a sh- uh a wall kind of like a a may wall if you played Overwatch uh yeah. you could get like a giant like wall thing and you you could do the same thing with those if you find more of those then it just automatically upgrades and it stacks up to four. Um, and also, like, the map system is interesting because, one, uh, instead of, like, just an enclosed circle, uh, the map is built up into, like, districts because it's, like, a city map. It's also more built vertically, too, which is interesting, too. But it's on, like, a city block, or it's split up into city blocks. And instead of, like, a circle, pin it, like, uh, decreasing in size as the batch goes on, it just takes away city blocks instead. And so you get some weird, interesting map layouts, like, as you go. And also, if you don't have, like, a full map, which I think would be the case just because we're in a preview event, um, it uh, it makes the map smaller at the start. So you can't it's, – it's not the giant map in the beginning. And the whole idea is oh, to, like, keep okay. the flow going and stuff like that. It's it's super fast, and it's oh, you're constantly doing something. And, and that's something that I really liked about it. It, it never felt like I was just waiting around. Um, I have some questions for you so real yeah. quick. Yeah. One, how many players at the start of a map match? Well, in generally, obviously you're doing a preview event, so that's not the. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 99. I think there were squad. It was in that game mode. It's called Crown Rush, which that's a whole other thing too. Is because at the end, um, I think it's like when the last three or four squads are there, and and the map is pretty small. A crown, a crown will spawn, and uh, if you pick it up. And hold it for 45 seconds, you win the match. You don't have to be the last one standing. Um, oh, cool. But, but what happens is when you pick it up, it, it alerts like everyone where you're at. So you, you could get picked off pretty easily. High risk, high um, reward. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think it is squads of three for that. And I believe it is 99 then. Because I think it goes up to 30 squads. Uh, if I'm doing my math correctly. <laughs> I got two more questions for you. One. Yeah. Uh, it's developed by UB Montreal, the guys behind Rainbow Six Siege, right? Yeah, yeah. So or, that gives I don't me know promise. if it's. I don't know. I don't know if it's. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Never mind. Yeah. The same studio, maybe not the same exact team, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last question for you, in terms of picking a character, is it 
the typical thing, like maybe Fortnite, where you pick a skin for your character, right? Just cosmetically, mm-hmm. and there's the abilities. Are those something you like acquire in game, or is that something yeah. you set in your loadout before the match? So you do pick like a just a character skin, pretty much. But all the abilities are found like a gun. Like you could hold up to two for each of them. For, so you could hold two guns and two hacks or two abilities. Cool. Yeah, My, it's it's really interesting. Sorry, the the thing with it is, I'm wondering if Ubisoft is going to treat this as like something where they add skins for characters from their other franchises, right? Or if they stick to that the, would be the like sci-fi aesthetic. Um, because would be I could awesome. get into like running around with Ezio in this battle royale. That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> um, yeah. So overall, you you enjoyed your time with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I I. I'm still in the technical test. That was the other thing too, like how you mentioned how they were advertising like Valorant and doing the loot, the loot uh, thing or whatever, like where you get the code or whatever to play the game early. Um, they were doing the same thing for uh, for this game, like they were advertising it kind of the same way. And I was watching some people play huh. it, and I was like, because well, I played with Logan, Logan Moore from Dual Shockers. I was playing with him, and. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. We're doing okay. We got in, like, fourth and third. Like, I think the highest we got was third. And I watched uh, Dr. Lupo play, uh, and I was like, we are terrible at video games, just in general. <laughs> Not just this game. In general, we are terrible at video games. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to dip my toes a little bit more into it, um, like, during the weekend, because I think that technical test is for a little bit longer, I think, till the 7th. Um, but yeah, I think you can get access to it if you watch people stream it or whatever. So. And it comes out the twelfth, right? The same day as the UB event, I think. Uh, right? I don't know. I think that was. Beta I think that maybe? was like a rumor thing that like, was that like part of the rumor thing that happened? Because I uh, I was yeah. Yeah, I remember somebody saying that the technical test is happening now, but a beta is going to start on the 12th. And I don't know if it's an open beta or if it's a Twitch thing we were talking about, whereas that's the point in which people will start being able to get codes, like generally from watching people on Twitch. Oh. Uh, I, and obviously not, it's free to play, you, right? Uh, yeah, I believe it is free to play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, no, that's it. That's it for me. It's cool that, man, I'm so happy Alan Wake holds that. I'm excited yeah, to play yeah. it. It was so yeah. good. I, I got to finish it sometime soon. <laughs> uh, is it as scary? Like, obviously, it's not a super scary game, but has it caught you off guard a couple of times? Sometimes. I am very much like a – I love horror. So, like, okay. in terms of, like, movies, I, I always watch horror movies. But with video games, I am a little baby. And if <laughs> and stuff like Outlast and stuff, I'll play for 30 minutes. I'm like, I can't. I'm getting so stressed. I'm getting so much anxiety playing this video game. I have to get out of here. Uh, but, like, Alan Wake hasn't been that way. Um, there are times where I'm, like, it, it gets a little spooky. But it's it's more on the campy side. And yeah. I kind of I like it because of that. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't been like spooked so much but there have been times where i got caught off guard i'm like oh holy cow like <laughs> this like one of the shadow things or whatever would come out and i'd get scared from it or something like that but yeah yeah it still holds up it's an awesome game uh back when dead space came out i had a buddy who wouldn't play that game unless he was in a party with somebody <laughs> like being able to talk to them while he played because he was so freaked out it was the funniest thing that was uh, one of those games for me too <laughs> and i wonder if game. it I wonder if it has to do with the immersion because you're actually playing it, right? You're not just watching something happen on yeah. screen like a movie where you're, you're actually in it and you're making the choices in terms yeah, of where to move and because, stuff. Yeah, so. because obviously if I were in the situation, I would not go forward. 
I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. Something bad's going to happen if I go through that corridor. Why would I go Turn through there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dom, anything else you want to share besides Last of Us, or is that pretty much your focus? That's That's been it. I've pretty much just been raw-dogging that game for a few weeks. We, that was a weird, weird choice episode. of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Moving past that, uh, yeah, um, I need to I need to get to finishing that game, man. Avoiding spoilers, period, much less being able to have that conversation in terms of how we feel about that game. Because that's the interesting thing, too, with that game is after The Last of Us, it was not universally praised, but everyone kind of had an idea of how they felt about that game. And with this one, I've noticed, especially with both of you kind of echoing it, is people are kind of ruminating on what took place and their experiences with it and trying to figure out where they land in terms of the narrative and how they feel about it. So I'm excited to feel that way too, feel some type yeah. of way. Um, that's it. That's it for this week's show. If you can, Michael, please let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, sure. Uh, I am at the Michael Ruiz on Twitter. Uh, you could have found me and my, or you could have found my stuff that I usually write or do videos for at dual shockers, but I quit. So, uh, but yeah, you could still, <laughs> you could still find stuff. I'm going to have some stuff going up. I have a few other projects that I'm doing for dual shockers, uh, throughout the month of July. Uh, I'll be on some videos too for, uh, for them. So I'll, I'll still be there for a little bit and I'll, I'll probably do some other stuff too in the future with them as well. But, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break, a little bit of a downer that I, I have to, you know, set set figure out my life pretty much. But yeah, you 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 could find me on Twitter and some of my work on Dual Shockers. And just you know, when you search it, it's not going to say Michael Ruiz is his name. It's Jesse's number one fan account, I believe, it, is what it is. It, it <laughs> will right. it will say that absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Jesse's the best character in video games ever created. So, <laughs> forgive me. Is is Jesse the Asian guy you meet at the beginning of the game, or is yes. it somebody I haven't met yet? Okay, cool. Yes. So far, I like him. I, I hope I can't wait to see what else he's involved in. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I love those uh, <laughs> those reactions. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please head over to iTunes, search the show, leave us a review. It helps us out in the algorithm. On YouTube, if you search "Controlled Interest," will pop right up. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload videos because you can't trust YouTube sub boxes. Uh, like the video if you liked it. Dislike it if you dislike it. It's a free world. You can do what you want. Uh, over on Twitter, you can follow me individually at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. And collectively, you can follow us at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. This has been episode 196, I think. I was really confident up until going to name the, the episode number. But thank you, Michael, for joining us. Like I said, if everything lines up, I'd love to have you on our spoiler cast when we get to that. Um, Absolutely. And talk about this game that's uh, perplexing the world at this point. Thank you guys for listening. Please tune in next week. We'll catch you guys then.